John and I will be discussing in this episode the MCU movies Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and Thor Love and Thunder, as well as the Disney Plus shows Miss Marvel and I Am Groot. If you have not watched any of these, please be aware, spoilers abound. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano, and we are back with part two of our look back of the MCU shows and movies from, well, 2022 and maybe a little bit, no, yeah, all just 2022. We finished 2021 last time. And since I'm doing that again, that means John's back again. Hey, John, what's up? I am back doing my first podcast of the new year. Yeah, same here. Woohoo! Yay! New year, new podcasts. Well, right? new episodes at least. Not starting a new podcast, although I've thought about it. Who hasn't? <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's all I need. Another addiction on my back. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to stop thinking of new podcast ideas. You know, they just keep percolating in my brain. And I know that as soon as I start doing them, they might actually stop percolating in my brain and like, I'll lose the creative energies, but as long as I don't start them, then they are really good ideas that I can still do in the future. Schrodinger's podcast? Yes. Yes, exactly. I'd like to do some of them. Yeah, I would. And, you know, life has been a bit hectic the last few months, but um, I've moved across country. I'm in a new state, new home, new life, so... You know, we'll see what the schedules and, and lifestyles allow. And there may be more podcasting, but there's still Superman and yep. Adam Warlock and MCU. Yeah, which we're doing now. Yay. And for the second one, we'll be coming this year. Adam Warlock. That is yes. Him. He will be coming to the MCU this year. He's going to be actually on our screens. I know, that's crazy. Year. In all of his golden-skinned glory. Do you think he's going to be wearing his just like, you know, red underwear and nothing else that he was doing in those first issues? I don't know. I think they got to cover pretty well in the prequel. Isn't Rocky Horror a prequel? <laughs> Adam Warlock, the Rocky Horror podcast. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's great. I never connected those two. But yeah. Amazing. I mean, that, he looks just like him. He's even almost the same color. <laughs> and really, honestly, the same basic idea, right? Like cooking the perfect human in a lab. Yeah, he even he has comes that haircut. Out hued and blonde-skinned and, and an underwear. And the haircut. It's the same. I mean, literally, the they must have looked at, had that as a slight inspiration because he looks just like him. Yep. So Rocky Horror is him. But enough of that because we will be talking about that in a couple months when Guardians 3 comes out. For now, we're going to be talking about this time, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, the Miss Marvel TV show, Thor, Love and Thunder, and I Am Groot. All right, so first off, we have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which came out on May 6, 2022, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Elizabeth Olsen, Chutel El... El oh, I can never say his name. I hate screwing it up. Shoot. I, need, I should have looked it up beforehand. Crap. I'm getting there. Give me a second. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Never mind. Yeah. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Editing Al here. I looked it up. Chiwetel Ejiofor. Who is awesome anyway. As Baron Mordo, yep. Yeah, he was also awesome in Serenity. Where I first saw him. And Benedict Wong. As Wong. Yes. That's Don't forget Sochi Gomez. 
Well, I, I was just going to do the first four because otherwise you can go too far down the rabbit hole. Yeah, no, but she uh, she was pretty great, and yeah. she was superhero introdu- introduction. So true. Here she gets to mention as America. Yes. So this was kind of Marvel's first horror type movie. This was an interesting film. Yes, it was in a lot of ways a horror film, very much like a slasher stalker kind of film. It was a lot of other things too. <laughs> and I'm not sure that I feel like it got probably the most mixed reviews of any Marvel movie except for like Eternals in recent years. You know, you go way back people didn't like Iron Man 2, people didn't like Thor to you know yes. but in recent years most things have gotten largely positive reviews except for eternals and multiverse of madness um now i enjoyed it i saw it it was the story that i kind of expected with the scarlet witch going crazy because that happens in the comics yes um and i love, love multiverse hopping and of course we're gonna have to spend at least you know 75 minutes talking about that one scene where everything comes together um all the you know multiverses but but yeah i i rather enjoyed this my well i can talk about my my, my qualms in a minute what was your overall impression overall i did enjoy this movie too and yes we knew wanda was gonna go a little crazy after based on what we knew they were doing a bit and also what happened in a wanda vision but i'm also kind of viewing this as if they as long as they don't as long as she's not dead dead and coming back as mm-hmm. her her low point, you know her, and this and afterwards, it's Wanda on the way back up heroically. This was it for her. There should be no more. If they bring her back, there should be no more evil Wanda. Right. Yeah. Because this, in the comics, this I mean, this got that out of her system. This exactly. storyline purged her of that, and she came back, and she's been the Scarlet Witch doing Avengery things. So, uh, you know, as long as that's what they do, if they bring her back, and I hope they do, because I'd rather have her come back instead of have this being her end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of the things that was most disappointing is that, it, you know, obviously there's no body, so they can, you know, write their way out of it. But it did very much leave the impression that she was dead at the end of the film. And I didn't want that to be the character's end. I was excited at the end of um, WandaVision when it was evident they were going this direction. But I didn't want this to be the end of the character, you know? It seems like a a bad end, like a Dark Phoenix, Jean Grey's dead kind of thing. Now, you know, it, no one really wants Jean Grey to die at the end of that. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's possible. I mean, they could have ch- they could change their minds and decide, okay, let's leave her dead. But I'm kind of going with the impression that they didn't want to because otherwise they would have let the Vision be dead at the end of... WandaVision instead of being able to come back with another body. You know, if they're bringing him back, that means they're going to bring her back. Because obviously they're not done with that story, the story of the two of them yet. I'm just wondering if maybe they're planning on doing something with the two of them separately before they do them together again, which is fine. Let them have their own things before they're, you know, let their story doesn't have to be just together always. Right. But yeah, I like the idea that if they are bringing back Vision, it seems to imply that we're going to see more of Wanda as well. Yeah. I mean, that's at least what was implied at the end of WandaVision. So, I mean, we haven't seen him yet, so we don't know. But, I mean, they've also done some secret casting or, you know, surprises. So we don't know what, if anything, he's coming back in. And it all depends on actors. You know, he decides not to come back to to the MCU. Then maybe they'll be like, all right, never mind, we're good. The, um... The placement of this film is interesting because it covers thematic and conceptual plot concept and characters. There's overlap with this and Spider-Man No Way Home, but neither film really acknowledges the other. And I had heard that Multiverse of Madness was actually supposed to come out before Spider-Man. Oh, really? Um, but there was delays, and so they had to you know tweak the script so that you know they didn't do that. But this happening here, and then the multiverse fracturing in Spider-Man, you know that just seems to like make plots and story order sense. 
there is one dropped line in Multiverse of Madness that definitely places this film after Spider-Man in the order of events. And I kind of wish that weren't there so that we oh. could like fan canon order things as putting this movie before Spider-Man. Is that when he's talking to America about Spider-Man? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I remember it's, that it's, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a tiny tidbit. It wouldn't be the first time that there was a continuity gap in the MCU. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things I saw and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, never mind. But, um, Doctor Strange in this, and they seem to be following up on the what if animated with the um, the evil, evil Doctor, Doctor Strange. Strange. Yeah, who I hadn't realized was supposed to be Nightmare, and they were going to do a more flat out Nightmare interpretation in this film, and then they decided to go with the evil Doctor Strange instead. There's also the Captain Carter character, which, as far as I know, is not the exact same Captain Carter as the What If, uh -huh. but a version of her. A version of her. That was really cool to see. I mean, shoot, Haley Atwell can do anything in Marvel, and it will make me happy. And it's also fun to be able to see her in something now where it's not just her in the old makeup because she has to be 90-something years old. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but it was kind of cool using the what if to like introduce us to the character. So they didn't have to do a whole, this is who this character is. Yeah. And also it's kind of fun to continue the, the way they use the multiverse to continue his rivalry of want with Mordo without actually having Mordo in, you know, the, the sick there. I was going to say six, 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 but it's not actually a six, one, six, but you know what I mean? The MCU Mordo in the movie, he's not really in it, but there's still Mordo. Right. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. It's not actually our Mordo. It's different Mordo. Yeah. It's that alternate verse alternate universe Mordo, but... And we also had uh, Reed Richards. Okay, so let's get to the nexus hub of geekery capital of the world here with the um, uh, the Illuminati scene. And yeah, John Krasinski walking out on stage as Reed Richards, who is a perfect casting, had already been one of the leading fan castings, and he's right there as Reed Richards, and everybody, I think, and their dog wants him to be Reed Richards in the actual Fantastic Four film, but who knows if they're going to actually do that or not. Yeah. That was very cool. And, um, of course, uh, Patrick Stewart coming back as Professor X. I cried. Not, like, full-on tears, but, like, I was so excited, I got a little bit choked up. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the fun uh, thing about that is we get to see him again, because who knows if he'll be back at any other time. But it's not the Professor X from the X-Men movies. Right. Because Professor X in the X-Men universe died in Logan. But um, but yeah, this was this was Patrick Stewart as Xavier. It was official X-Men inclusion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We had Fantastic Four inclusion in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The the effects and the look of the Mr. Fantastic stretchy bendy stuff was completely on point. Yeah, um, and we actually have uh, introduction of the Inhumans that's not being denied by the MCU <laughs> or right. ignored. And, and keeping the casting. So Anson Mount, who has spent the last couple of years being the most perfect Captain Pike ever over in Star Trek, is back again as, um, what's his uh, what's his Inhuman name, Blackar Boltagon or something? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, Black Bolt, and he's in the costume with the little yes. forky thing on his head, and um, he's not talking because, of course, he's Black Bolt. But Inhumans as a TV show was, I don't know. To me, it was fine. Wasn't any worse than some of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is also pretty fine, especially after you get past the first half of the first season. Um yes. But I, I enjoyed Inhumans for what it was, and I was just I finished it, and I was like, you know, this is obviously low budget and dead off in the corner of things, but I it left me wanting to see more of those characters continue their story, knowing that they wouldn't was disappointing. But seeing that same casting brought into the MCU in a, we're not going to talk about the previous series, but these are the same characters continuing their lives kind of way would not make me sad. 
Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. And I almost forgot until I was scrolling down with the cast. I forgot about somebody who was in there who made me very happy because I wanted them in the MCU earlier as a different character, but someone else got the role. Because I wanted this person to play Captain Marvel originally. Because my original thought was, and this was, of course, before the Captain Marvel movie came out, but I mean, like, I never, I didn't know who, what's her name? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. I don't know who Brie Larson was. I'm looking at Elizabeth Olsen. I almost said Elizabeth Olsen. <laughs> I'm like, she's not Captain Marvel. But we did have a Captain Marvel in that multiverse scene. Yes. Yes. But I'm talking about, you know, Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. I wanted this person to play Captain Marvel because I figured, well, they would be, you know, if we're losing soon, you know, Steve Rogers and I thought maybe Thor and Iron Man, who are the big characters? Doctor Strange and Black Panther. Because at the time, you know, this is before his tragic death. And so I wanted Charlize Theron to play Captain Marvel because I'm like, she could stay, she would not fade into the background with those other two actors. But they got her as Clea. Yes. Yeah. That I'm was. Like, oh, this is going to be awesome. That was a pretty fantastic bit of uh, fan geekery at the end. And when they, they've been doing this more with the phase three and phase four stuff, putting, um, Putting a cameo of the next new character at the end of the film, usually in the end credits sequence. And it's like, you went through all of the trouble of casting and paying somebody to play this role for 30 seconds. So you better sure as hell bring them back in another film. Like uh, Star Fox and Pip from Eternals. Exactly. Exactly what I was thinking of. So... You know, I've wanted to see Clea ever since the very first Doctor Strange film, whenever they had Christine Palmer um, playing, um, I'm sorry, when they had Rachel McAdams playing Christine Palmer, I was hoping that would turn into some sort of Thea-like character, because I didn't know what a Christine Palmer was in the um, Doctor Strange storylines. Yeah, same here. Um, but yeah, seeing Clea budding around Doctor Strange will be great. But I do want to rewind because we cannot pass over Lashana Lynch as Captain Marvel because she was in the Captain Marvel film as Photon, as what's her civilian name? Monica. Um, Monica, Monica Rambeau. Okay, I forgot to look her up. So that is the same one from WandaVision, right? Yes. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that she was in Captain Marvel. She was, no, no, no. the girl, the woman in WandaVision was this character's daughter. Oh, this is the one who was uh, Carol's, well, we'll say friend, depending on your headcanon. <laughs> you can say friend. <laughs> well, that's, a, that, I mean, if we're just going by what is actually shown. Very close friend, yes. Yes, um, very, very, Carol very Danvers close. Very close friend and pilot and uh, roommate and um, bunkmate. Um, and whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Uh, okay. Sorry. I mixed. Yeah. So that, that's, I, that's I, I Monica's mom. Earlier. She played, she played Monica Rambo's mom. So she played Maria Rambo. Um, and she was here as Captain Marvel in this film, which just gives a nod linking the Monica Rambo Captain Marvel characters. And she was in the green Cree suit instead of the red and blue. And it was just really, really cool. But yeah, no, I enjoyed this. I am looking forward to the next one, definitely. Yeah, my only qualm with this film was the disposal of Wanda's character at the end. I didn't want that to be so... Um, it's not definitive, because like I said, they didn't show a body. But it It's going to depend it, on what happens in the future. Right. If this is her low point and she comes back better, then that's one thing. If this is her end, that's another, you know, that's then you're going to look at it differently. It's all going to depend on what happens in the future. We can't go on without leaving, um, without at least talking about Sochi Gomez as America Chavez. Um, I have read almost nothing of this character because I I just, modern Marvel is not a pool I dip into very often. Um, Yeah, I've read a little with her. I, I read her initial introduction in the Vengeance miniseries. Where okay. she was going by Miss America. Right. And they also had a character named Ultimate Nullifier. <laughs> they were part of the new team brigade, I think it was they were part of. Oh, 
The new teen brigade? Okay. I can that definitely that. pretty quickly. But yeah, so I don't really know her comics version, but she was a solid performance um, in the in the film. Uh, was you know immediately likable as a character, believable, and I would like to see more of her. No idea if or when that's going to happen. I'm assuming we will, considering her multiverse powers, and they're doing a whole multiverse. You know, what I mean, like it makes sense we're going to see more of her coming up. And since the MCU is a bit shy on Hispanic representation right now, we could use more America. Yeah. And um, it would be good. Yeah. But I was going to say, it just makes sense that they're going to use her because of the powers. It, therefore, she, they should, you know, they're going to be using more of her. And I'm assuming oh, yeah, that's why they introduced her. She's going to make sense for everything coming up. Yeah. She could actually end up being the key to things. Yeah. She could actually end up being a key player. Yeah. But since phases know. four, five, and six are all the multiverse saga. Having her as a multiverse hopper makes sense. I don't know where we'll see her in the future, but at the very least, I will. I am expecting to see her in one or not both of the event, upcoming Avengers movies. Mm-hmm. A world on fire. An All-Star Squadron podcast. Join your hosts, Billy D. And Herman, as we take a deep dive into the seminal DC Comics series created by Roy Thomas and Rich Buckler. We'll be covering the series issue by issue, spotlighting our favorite characters. And talking about the historical tie-ins as well. So join us every month in... A World on Fire, and All-Star Squadron podcast. Coming in December 2020 to a podcatcher near you. So that was Doctor Strange. Let's see what we have next. Oh, yes. Miss Marvel, six-episode show on Disney+, Plus, which started June 8th. Starring Aman Vellini, Matt Lintz, Zenoba Shroff, and Yasmeen Fletcher, among others. Um, I have read some of this comic. This is one of those probably unexpected breakout hit comics. That just took the took the um, the fandom by storm when oh, it yeah. started. Oh yeah, no. They... And you know, G Willow Wilson was crafting something new. All, all so props to her for that. What's that? All props to G Willow. I was gonna say G Willow Wilson did an amazing job just by doing no, no stunt things, no nothing, nothing but good storytelling basically, and made this character hugely popular. Right. And in 2012, which I believe is when it started, because it's part of the um, all-new, all-different Marvel now, I think in 2012. I remember in 2011 still having arguments with people about, you know, racism against brown people still 10-plus years after 9-11. And, like, how that's, that's a problem that needs to be addressed, needs to be, you know, we need to get past this. So she comes along in 2012 and highlights Muslim culture, uh, uh, Muslim character, family issues in a very normalized, human, everyday kind of way, in a way that it's just not been done before in comics with any sort of regularity. Maybe a person here and a person there, like uh, the Sinbad character in Superman back in 1991. Yes. Aside from the name of the character being very stereotypical and not great, there were some efforts in that storyline to present a normalized, you know, Muslim family. So it's not like it's never been done, but as it's an not ongoing often, it wasn't story, often done. Right. And it was done well. The character was likable. It broke out. And then you cast um, a completely new face, but someone extremely capable especially for her age because child actors you never know if a teen actor is going to be as good as they you know 
Yeah. As you want them to be. Um, but Iman Vellani was... <laughs> she had the same, I think, um, adorkable qualities as uh, Melissa Benoist in Supergirl. She was just likable from the start. You know? Oh, I can see that. Okay, that's a good way of putting it. I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, you're right. And yeah, they changed the power set a bit. Um, I was not bothered by that. I think that doing digital powers around her body rather than it constantly distorting her body was probably um, a money-saving choice and a, just a practicality choice. Especially for a TV show where right. you're doing that a lot more as opposed to a movie where you can get them all done in like a bunch of scenes. I mean, think about shows like Legends of Tomorrow mm-hmm. where half the time they don't use their powers. Mm-hmm. Because you can't, you know, you have so much budget for the whole season you can't blow it all in one episode or if you do well then you got to make sure the next dozen episodes they don't do anything like that as opposed to a movie where you're just doing all the one you know it's like okay we're gonna do this this and this okay we're good so i can see that tying the character's history into um muslim pakistani history and, and like cultural crises that have happened with that it reminded me actually of Watchmen, the HBO TV show. Did you did you see yes. Watchmen a couple years I, ago? I, yeah, I don't know exactly. I know what you mean. I agree with you on there. Yeah. When they talk, when they tied that history into the the uh, the, the the massacre in Oklahoma, um, it's just an element of history that a lot of people who aren't from that culture don't know the first thing about. Have never heard of it before. And here we are sitting in our America. We've got our own, you know. Civil War and all this other stuff, but we, you know, we don't know anything about the the um, partition and the splitting up of those nations. We don't know anything about that. So, ed- you know, using that in the storyline in a way that was accessible and informative and emotionally important for the characters, I liked. I know some people who tuned all that out as they were watching, and I'm like, I don't understand that. But <laughs> you know, I guess to each his own. Yeah. I was fine with the change because, I mean, they still kept her, her. They didn't change her character. Mm-hmm. You know? And the powers were still able to mimic more or less what she actually did. So they were able to mostly do her powers, and, like I said, they kept her as the same character, which I think was the more important thing mm-hmm. about that. Um, I will say, somewhere around episode two or three, it felt like it got a little slow, and then it picked back up again. Like, it got somewhere a little bit slow in the middle, and then once she went to to visit her grandmother in Pakistan, it picked right back up again. Yeah. It felt like, you know, they started strong, got a little weaker, and then went back strong. Well, they've got to do, like, multiple, like, there there were several phases of that story, because you're talking about her getting used to her powers, her being a high school kid who's now a superhero, and then her getting caught up in um, her family history in the partition, but also getting caught up in the cosmic, you know, earth-shattering events there were there were a lot of things going on in that story and i feel like they gave time to different aspects of the story and it would be it would make sense that some different viewers would would uh associate more with different aspects of that story yeah and that's fine i'm just saying for me yeah for you it was it was the it was the grandma on pakistan stuff yeah like the beginning was good the first episode was good it's been a while since i you know watched the show but it was like i think it was two or three or both felt a little slower to me, and then we picked back up. Like, okay, we're getting, you know, I felt like we were getting forward progression again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very intrigued, and I'm wondering if the the words were used inten- intentionally when she finds out her origin from the uh, other people came from that dimension. Uh, what's her name? Her sort of boyfriend's mom. And they talk about the clandestine, and I'm thinking, oh, are we picking up bits from Alan Davis's series, Clandestine? Right. So that was kind of cool. And like, oh, that's a neat way to introduce, change things up. You know, they have to change things a bit, but they're also still using Marvel canon with it, even though it's not Ms. Marvel canon. And that's a sort of obscure aspect of Marvel's, you know, continuity. Like, I think probably most people who weren't reading Marvel comics in the 90s might not know what a clandestine is, you know. Oh, yeah, but, true, but I, I prefer it's there. It's part of the universe and they used it. Yeah. And I prefer them doing this. Then let let's say some of the uh, like the X Men movies from the earlier two thousands where they would just give a character a name and that was it. It's like oh this is Psylocke, 
she's not going to behave anything like Psylocke, and where she's not going to, you know, not going to have any anything to do really. And we're probably going to kill her off off screen. But you know, Psylocke's there now, right? Aren't you happy? Mm-hmm. You know, at least this way, it's like okay, you're actually using it. Right. But they use something else in this too. Because she's not just part of clandestine. There's something different in her genes, like a mutation. Yes. And I was just looking up in the trivia on it. In that last episode when Bruno says mutation, they briefly play the theme music from the 90s X-Men cartoon. Yes. (laughs) And, of course, if we're talking about the end, then we're talking about then the ending thing that leads you into the Marvels movie. Where she switches places with Carol Danvers. Right. Right. Teasing the Marvels. The Marvels is coming out this year. Right? Uh, Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, 2023. Oh my god, that's this year. That is this year. We have the Marvels. um, Because Al and I were talking off air beforehand about what's coming out this next year. And it seemed like a short list. But... um, I have to redo. I have to relook at it because you know things change. Right. Oh yeah. Uh, expected July twenty eighth. So that should so, be good. Looking forward to that. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun ending to see her in that bedroom going. Oh, looking at the pictures of herself all over, going, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> Where the hell am I? Right. Speaking of it being twenty twenty three, are we now caught up to the MCU? Because I mean, say that again. Are we caught up to the MCU now? I'm trying to remember because wasn't it after, you know, when oh, the five War year happened? Jump? Yeah. And that was what, 2018? That was 2018. So five yeah. years later is 2023. So at the most, they're a year ahead. Right. Depending on how much stuff happened in, you know, quote unquote, 2023. Yes, yeah, so I guess we're, we're pretty much caught up to the, uh, the calendar of the MCU timeline. Yeah. In a wibbly wobbly timey wimey kind of way. But anyway, back to the Miss Marvel stuff itself. No, I enjoyed Miss Marvel overall. I thought she was great as Miss Marvel. I liked the stuff of her. I mean, for the most part, I liked the stuff of her family. Mm-hmm. You know, I like how the, I like the relationships between them, and that none of them felt too stereotypical. Like even like the brother comes. I mean, the brother in the very beginning. You know, you first learn about him a bit, and. If you don't know anything about the culture, you kind of just sound like the stereotypical Muslim, you know, what you would hear of like, oh, you know, women do this and that and, you know, kind of jackass. But he's not. He was was still a pretty damn good older brother. You know, he He covered for his sister. He helped her out. Like, he was a person, not just a stereotype. He came off more balanced and overall likable than I think his comic character counterpart does at least in the little bit that I've read. Now that character may have gone through some growth over the last few years, but the, you know, I read the first arc and her brother is kind of an ass. Um, he's very conservative, but also very snooty about it. And um, to present him as a more conservative Muslim, but not snooty about it. And just like, you know, he's living his life and living his religion. It's important to him, but he's also a good older brother. Exactly. Good choice. Yeah. And I love the relationship of her and her dad. Yeah, that was. I know, I know. I was going to say, unfortunately, of course, there apparently been some issues. You know, the actor, we have some problems there that popped up since. Right. But no, it was really sweet between her and her dad. And she and her mom, you know, they start off very much at odds at the beginning of the film, at the beginning of the series. They bond over the family history stuff. And then, you know, whenever her powers come out and the family finds out about them toward the end, you know, her mom is, is on board with her. And I, th- I think that was a great story. I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of various family dynamics for like traditional culture is important to the older generation and less important to the younger generation where that just like stays um, as an animosity between them. And so having them kind of come together over the course, because we're probably not going to get another deep dive into Ms. Marvel. She's probably going to show up in films. But like we probably saw her solo story. This is probably all we're going to get. Yeah, unless she has another season. Oh, uh, she could have another season. That would be cool. Yeah, but unless she has another season, I'm expecting to see her. You know, we'll see her and we might see Bruno. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, although, I mean... Considering where 
Carol Danvers was left at the end of the show, I would not be surprised if we saw her family, or at least part of her family, in the movie. Oh, I mean, speaking of season two, I just searched, and as of, take this out, six days ago, MCU Phase 5 will include Ms. Marvel season two. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess we will see her family, or we'll, we'll see what goes on with that, obviously. With all, yeah, we so see she all will get that. more solo story. That's exciting. The one thing that I was sort of like, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, but there's an opportunity cost either way, so I understand, was her costume. Um. I wish she had been fully costumed earlier in the series. Like, I wish she had had the Ms. Marvel look earlier in the show. But the idea that she slowly built that out of elements that were story important and character important was a choice that I appreciated. Yeah, not everyone's going to be able to make that perfect costume. I mean, that was one decent thing about, like, the Spider-Man story in here in the Marvel Universe was that when he first does it himself, it, you can see that's a handmade costume. <laughs> yeah yeah it is he doesn't get that fancy one until tony stark gives it to him because those costumes are not you're not just making these costumes that you see in the mcu right uh but one other thing i want to talk about the show real quick before i forget is the des- one of the design elements the way they did like information like the way they did like when characters would because i mean they're we're talking about teenagers they're texting each other and stuff the way they would do that you wouldn't just see a phone and see people what they wrote they put it in the background. It was on screen. You know, it was done in a way more, it was more interesting than just showing what they're writing on a phone. Yeah, integrating the text with the the visuals of the scenes. Yeah, it was, it was neat. And since that was such a big element of the storytelling, I'm glad they made it more interesting than just showing the green and white bubbles or blue and white bubbles of text. Exactly. Or even being really cheap and just literally having it written on the phone and then just so, you know, like just having the camera on the phone and just having the message pop up. Yeah, you could do that for like a single text exchange. Yeah, and you it's not a do big that thing. For like whenever 10% of your character dialogue is texting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That and showing her fantasy, you know, her little fantasy fights and stuff and flights yeah. of fancy. Yeah, I guess for Kamala Khan, just her vivid imagination is a big part of who she is. So I'm glad they included that and found an interesting way to do it. I really like that. I haven't watched the show since I watched it the first, you know, the one time. So I don't remember specific instances right now off the top of my head, but I just remember really enjoying that in all the episodes. Yep. Oh, okay. Real quick on the trivia. Uh, in April of this year, the creator, Santa Abinat, announced that the entire show will be released in Pakistani cinemas beginning on June 16th. Due to the unavailability of Disney Plus in Pakistan. Oh. That's kind of cool. That is cool. I wonder how they'll do that. Like, if they'll do, like, or, weekly episodes or what? Or maybe they did, it like, three movies. You know, one and two, three and four, five and six. Oh, yeah. Putting it together as three, uh, you know, two-episode packages. Yeah. That would make the most sense. Because mm-hmm. then it's still movie length and you can still do it, like, once a month. Right. You know, have one out one out one month, one the next mother and one another without having to change it every week. Right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about, Miss Marvel? Nope. I feel like we're being super glowy about these things, but like th- whenever I have problems with a show, I like to mention it like this is a part that I didn't like, this is a part I didn't enjoy, and then move on because I don't like to like dwell in, in the negative feelings. So like, you know, there were things about multiverse that I didn't like, and I mentioned them. And there are things about this that I would have done differently, and I mentioned them. But like for the most part, I'm just enjoying the shows. Yeah, no, I there was like I mentioned the stuff I wasn't happy with, but overall, I did enjoy the show. So I'm not going to say it sucked when it didn't. Mm-hmm. So before we go into the next title, I, I completely random thought that I was thinking of um, while we're getting ready to start. One of my feelings, and a feeling that I've heard voice online about um, where we are with the Marvel storytelling right now, is the lack of forward momentum and how phase four seems to have less forward momentum than any other phase we've had so far. Mm-hmm. But something occurred to me, phase one over the course of 2008 to 2012 had six films. That's it. The end. Yep. And we have so much more content from Marvel coming out 
in phase four. We are two years into phase four, and that's it. It started with WandaVision in early 2021, and we're at the end of 2022, and we have had so many titles. We've had to do over like a half dozen episodes, cramming a bunch of stuff into each episode. So the fact that there's not as much forward momentum feels maybe more appropriate in that context because there's only so much forward momentum you can do when you're telling a 10-year-long story, you know? Yeah, and also, I think we mentioned this a bit last time, but yeah, for me, it's not as much of an issue because for me, like I said, we did that huge thing. We had that huge Thanos saga. That's over now. You can't just jump right into the next big thing because now you're completely comparing it to the last huge thing. So A, it's kind of like, I feel like this is supposed to be a bit of a palate cleanser. And also it's more introducing new characters. You know, we're getting the introduction of different characters. You know, we got the introduction of Kate Bishop. We got the introduction of Ms. Marvel. You know, we have the introduction of a few other things, but also it feels like after like when the comics, when they finished like the uh, big crossover, you know, when they're not doing like crossover after crossover, but like when there's actually a break in between, it's like, and now your series can go back to their individual stories. Yeah. So it's like, and now you're getting individual stories and maybe some of them will go forward, you know, will be the, well, you can look back and go, oh, this is the momentum to the next big thing. Like most likely WandaVision to Doctor Strange will be part of that. And we think back to phase one, a lot of those characters have ended their stories. And if they're not ended, they're backburnered, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, the only one really is like, what, Thor? Right. I mean, Yeah, Thor was was kind of backburner because he's going to go play with his kid now. What's he going to do? Yeah, if we're talking about the original six, it's Thor still because he had a movie come out and maybe Hawkeye. But I think we're going to get less of him and more of her. So, so right now in phase four, we are putting a lot more game pieces on the board. Yeah, we got to start. You, you have, we have to learn who these characters are. We can't just go, all right, here's the new Avengers movie. And here, here's the new team. It's like, oh, well, who are these people? Yeah. Let they them need- let them have space to breathe and to be introduced and to grow over the course of phase four. And then start mixing and matching and, and putting the you know characters in different people in each other's worlds in phase five and six. Yeah. And depending on what happens by the time we get to those Avengers movies, we'll be able to look back and see which ones were part of the progression. Right. And go, oh, that's where that happened. That's why they did this. Well, that's just a random thought I had um, earlier fine. before we start yeah. recording. Yep. In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at com. All right. So our next one is Thor Love and Thunder, which came out on July 8th and starred Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, and Tessa Thompson. <sighs> yeah, this is. This was fine. There was so much in this that I enjoyed, but there was there was a significantly larger spoonful of things that I was like, okay, it's not often that I'm sitting in a film wondering if I'm going to like the movie. There there are usually I'll finish a movie with an overall positive feeling and then think about the storytelling choices and you know different aspects and different details that I, that I you know, might have a problem with along the way. But this was one of those where the first half hour I found wearying and kind of grating and wasn't entirely sure I wanted to watch the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, I've not, for the most part, with some exceptions, but like for the most part, the tone of like some of the movies I've been fine with. But this one, I really thought, like, I liked the last Thor movie. I really liked the La- Ragnarok. You know, I thought the tone between the two was pretty good. This one, I feel like they kind of 
went overboard on the humor and the joking. And there was a little too much of that for, you know, for the type of movie it was supposed to be trying to do and the type of villain we were trying to have. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying get rid of it all completely, but I think it did need to be uh, pared back a bit. Yeah. Um, I was of the impression coming out of uh, Ragnarok that they had gone and it, like, I enjoyed the film. I liked the film. But conversations about that movie were happening around the same time the conversations about DC films were getting more intense. And so there was a lot of comparison between the tone of Thor Ragnarok and the tone of DC's films. And I think it's a bit unfair because Thor Ragnarok had a much more comedic bent than most of the MCU. But also everyone loved it for its comedic bent. I was kind of of the opinion that it was fine, but I wish it had not been done with Thor. You know, sure, we can have more comedy in Thor, but I don't think Thor should be a comedy character. And he is now. He flat out is now. Thor is a comedy character. No, I can, and I see what you're saying. And like I said, for me, the amount that they had in Ragnarok was fine, but I felt like they put double the amount in this one. Yes. And it went overboard. They went overboard with it in this. Everything that people liked in Ragnarok, they said, okay, let's do more and squeeze it, most of it into the first half hour. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know what? The reason I liked it was because it wasn't every five seconds. And I feel like this is too much. It's it's fine. It's not horrible. And there was some stuff I liked in it. Tessa Thompson was one of the highlights of the show. Natalie Portman was a highlight of the film. Yeah. Anytime either or both of those women was on screen, like I was enjoying the story. Like they were they were killing it. Yeah, but especially for Natalie Portman's for Jane's character story. Mm-hmm. I would rather have had the the humor be there to relieve some of the pressure, some of the tension from what's happening to her instead of almost making it feel like it didn't matter, which for me, it did a bit. And also Jane Foster. When we found out that Jane Foster was being presented as Thor in this film, everybody went bananas because Jason Aaron's Thor story with Jane Foster as Thor is widely loved and highly acclaimed. But in Jason Aaron's comic, Jane Foster is the star of the show. And in this comic, or in this film, she is a supporting character in what should be her story. Like, it is her story. The story is about her as Thor, but she's not presented as the lead. She's presented as a supporting character. Her story is being seen mostly through the eyes of Odin's son, and that was an odd choice for me. Like, I didn't really like that. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I I think, it, I mean, since she was originally a supporting character in Thor, I think it made more sense for her starting this way. If they're going to, well, it all depends on how much they got her for as well. I mean, if Natalie Portman is just back for this one movie, then I can see them just making it as part of the next Thor movie as opposed to giving her her own. Yeah. I just think like some of her major storytelling points weren't even on screen. You know, we didn't see her become Thor. We saw Thor show up after the fact, um, or Odin said show up after the fact, and just stuff like that. Where it, it's almost like they were trying to make it a mystery, like it was in the comics. Except the problem is in comics we don't hear a voice, right? So it really was not a mystery to anybody. And in comics, you can draw a character to look within a certain range. You can draw the character to look any way you want to, and it's going to be that character, as long as you get a couple of highlights of the design. Here, Natalie Portman is wearing Thor costume. <laughs> yeah. So there's no question what's going on here. Yeah, but it almost seems like they were trying to do that, but it's like, well, yeah, but then why didn't you change her voice or something? To make it a little more of a mystery, at least for the characters in the movie, even if it wasn't going to be a mystery for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, I liked Tessa Thompson. Um, I liked the quest. Uh, I'm a fan of the God Killer character. I actually liked the way his story was presented in this. I thought it was effective. 
the connection between Thor and the Guardians, I'm sort of wondering now if either when they did that in Ragnarok, they weren't sure where they were going to go with it, or whatever they thought they were going to do at the end of that film, they changed their mind later. Because they could have not existed in this film. Yeah. You know, the opening act, restructure it, rewrite a little bit. But, like, for the overall story of this film, the Guardians don't matter. It's just in the opening parts of the film, he says goodbye to them. So I don't know exactly how that was intended to be shaped, but, you know, stuff happens. And storytelling ideas change, and things are dynamic, and that's fine. I just, I was expecting more out of that association than we got. Yeah, no, I was expecting something better, but... Yeah, no, we didn't get much. And that was another disappointing thing about it. I mean, now the question is this. Is this the end of him as Thor, or is he coming back? Okay, so we, I, I mentioned it briefly earlier before we even start talking about the film. But yeah, the the end of this film is Thor has a kid now. Which does not mean they can't do more Thor movies. No, but they kind of imply that they're out in space on their own doing like he's it's almost like a goodbye. It feels like a goodbye at the end of the movie. It is a very appropriate swan song kind of story. It's it's like the way the clone saga was supposed to end when Ben Riley took over the webs and Peter Parker and Mary Jane went off to go raise their kid. That was supposed to be the end of Peter and MJ. And um, that could be the end of Thor here. And now, of course, the question is then, why would they introduce a new character at the end that's a Thor-type character, where they introduce Hercules at the end? But, I mean, here's a way also that may or may not, you'll tell me in a second, might help alleviate some of your concerns about Natalie Portman's story, you know, Jane Foster's story in this. Just because he's gone, does that mean we're not going to get another Thor movie? You know, just because she's dead doesn't mean she's not coming back. Right, so, especially since in um, in Marvel mythology, if you're a dead ass guardian, you just exist in another realm. You can still come back. They've yes. done that. Was this the transfer movie? It's Thor. I mean, I know they're both Thor, but I'm gonna you know call her Jane just because it's easier to differentiate. <laughs> Is this where Thor? This the movie, the final Thor movie guest starring Jane because the next movie because the next movie is the Jane movie where she's like a Valkyrie or something well Valkyrie or Thor again because they can still call it Thor okay yeah I don't know I kind of felt like they were uh, sending her off I mean if they want to continue the name Thor and have the Thor movies continue you know they could do it with her not him yes that would make sense if you know for what you said also would work because it would make sense why she's the guest star in the fact that this is his final movie. So we're mm-hmm. giving, you know, make him the star because this is his last one. And then she's, you know, she goes from guest star to star. Cause I mean, she has a relationship with other people in the movie. So you can still bring back Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie without it being weird. It's not like there's no, re- you know, there's no reason for her to know them. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. She could definitely come back. Um, I mean, for instance, you're not going to have, I mean, even though it's not exactly the same, but it's close enough. Ironheart is not going to have all of Iron Man's supporting cast. There's no reason. But you could still keep a lot of the people from the Thor supporting cast in the Thor movie with Jane as Thor because she does have a relationship with most of them. Right. So yeah, it's could, yeah I, I'm curious to see what the next announcement of a Thor-related film or series is going to be. It, it, it's curious. There is a lot of options. Nothing is really off the table. It does feel in a lot of ways like these characters have been sent off into the sunset, but not in a way they could that none of them couldn't be brought back and done more, you know? Because yeah. it also could work if she's there, you know, continue on the story of Hercules, because Hercules maybe can't find Thor, because Thor's in the middle, you know, out in space randomly. Who knows where he is? But hey, this other Thor, the you know, the blonde lady Thor, hey, she's on Earth. I know where that is. I can find her. Mm-hmm. And it also would work story-wise, because I mean they did make Thor, especially more so if it became a bit more comedy, but, you know, and more so in this movie, but they did give Thor more of the Hercules personality, a bit more of Hercules' personality from the comics. Yes. Yes, kind of like how Iron Man was given Hawkeye's personality. Exactly. But if he's not going to be the star, if she is now, it would fit more with Hercules and her instead of the two, instead of 
you know, Chris Hemsworth's Thor and Hercules. You know, if Hercules is going to have that personality, of course, we don't know yet because, I mean, he really didn't do much or say much. So we can't say, you know, beyond say, yes, father. But I mean, that would work for me. You know, I mean, if like if the next Thor movie stars Natalie Portman. But that's all guessing. That's all uh, yeah. guessing. We'll have to see what happens. I was looking to see if they've actually made an official announcement about Thor 5 yet. Um, but as of December 9th, there has been no fifth Thor announcement. We'll have to wait and see. That's the thing for some of these sometimes. It's like reading a comic story where it's like part one of six, and you're like, I can't believe they did this in part one. It's like, well, yeah, but let's wait to see what happens in parts two to six. Because, you know, depending on what the thing is, it might work out once the whole story is told. Yeah. Um, or not. It's worth or Chris it might Hemsworth. Not. Chris Hemsworth thinks that the the direction of the Thor films should be shifted. That he's like the first two Thor films were totally very similar. The next two Thor films were totally very similar. And so another reinvention would be appropriate for Thor five. And for him to come back, he would need to have something new and interesting to do with the character. Yeah. And maybe part of that new and interesting would be being the guest star. Yeah. Before we finish up, uh, when I when we did our last episode and I put it up. You know, put that episode out there and put it on Twitter. I put a poll on there asking other people who are, you know, on Twitter what their favorite MCU movie and show was from 2021. Okay. So if you remember, the movies were Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Any guesses as to what the winner was of the poll for those four? I, I would guess Spider-Man. That is correct. Spider-Man won with 66% of the vote. Did Shang-Chi get second? Uh, yes, tied. Yes, that was a number 14. And then Black Widow Eternals tied with 10% of the vote. Gotcha. And then so a pretty but, wide gap between Spider-Man and number two. Yeah. And then it was at the TV shows, which was WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, and Hawkeye. Now, unfortunately for Twitter polls, you can only do four at once. So I had to split it up. So the first poll was for WandaVision, Falcon Winter Soldier, and Loki. Do you want to guess who won out of that? Out of WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, and Loki? Yes. Loki. Nope. WandaVision? Correct. Yeah. Me too. Honestly, those two are, are very different kinds of good, and but both very, very, very good. Yeah. And so then I did the winner. I took the winner of that one to put up against the last three. Hawk, you know, with, I mean, the last two of What If and Hawkeye. So it's What If, Hawkeye, and WandaVision. I would imagine that WandaVision won again. No. Hawkeye won? Uh, yes. Yeah. Hawkeye was solid. Hawkeye. I just rewatched Hawkeye for because that's going to be one of my – maybe not every year because it's six things, but it's going to be a Christmas thing for me, a holiday, holiday thing for me to watch. Yeah. But all right. Let's get to our last one, which Yay. will be easiest to do. The I Am Groot shorts, which came out on August 10th. And, well – Basically started Vin Diesel. <laughs> it was just so cute. I mean, Baby Groot is, of course, a favorite a favorite character ever since um, Guardians of the Galaxy you know, ended and they had him in the little pot there dancing around. They released that as a toy. And then they had Teenage Groot in the second one. And so having these, um, these little shorts of him at you know, various ages, I don't know. It was adorable. It was a fun little watch that I don't know that I have a lot to say about it. There's really except that I'm glad it exists because I had a fun time watching it. Yeah, that's really all it is. There's really not much to say about it because they're just like these five minute shorts of just baby crew running around being adorable, doing goofy things. But they were cute and fun and they're, you know what, they don't take much time. You probably watch all of them in half an hour. So it's worth watching just for that, I think. Just because it's a fun little... It's like watching the extras. It's like if you're watching those Despicable Me movies and you're like, oh, look, there's a little Minions five-minute short. I'll watch the Minions run around and say, you know, be goofy for five right. minutes. Same thing. But I just wanted to mention it because it was there. It's a Marvel thing on on Disney Plus to watch. Yeah, yeah. And I believe... the it's, I think it's only the last episode, but you do get Rocket in the last one. Oh, yeah, that's right. He is there. Yeah. You know, we're going to get Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So we're going to get more group. The holiday special is already out. I haven't seen it yet, but I can only assume there's group. Mm -hmm. um, so he's not going anywhere. 
the fact that he's voiced by Vin Diesel, every time I think about that, just makes me giggle inside. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was cute. It was fun. I'm glad they did it. I do yeah. not need a 30-minute uh, cell animated Groot series. Does need to happen. It probably will. Maybe already has. But, you know. No, I'm fine with this. I mean... If they want to do more like this and just do another season of like five or six episodes, you know, that are like no more than three to five minutes each of I Am Groot, I'm fine with that. That's all it needs to be. It's just a fun little cute aside. I'm mainly just mentioning it here because it's not really going to get mentioned anywhere else with MCU talk because it's not, you know, you can kind of ignore it. Right. But it's a fun thing to watch. If you like Baby Groot, you'll be amused. It's time again to cover our feedback, and this time we are talking about feedback from episode 166, Outtakes 2022, where we covered some of the outtakes from the earlier part of 2022, featuring Chris Sheehan, Peter Rios, John M. Wilson, Sarah Sentry, and S.E. Fleamore. And the post for that episode on Facebook got likes and shares from A World on Fire, an All-Star Squadron podcast, Joe Sedano, Stop, Let's Team Up podcast, Magazines and Monsters, Jesse Starcher, and Robert Myers. On Twitter, the post got likes and retweets from Viet Huynh, Alan Sharp, David Finn, Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, Chris Sheehan, Clifford Riley, Stephen or else, Tim Price, the Podcrasher, The Daily Rios, JohnReadsComics.com, Chris Lydon, Glowing with Iridescent Rainbow Fire, and S.E. Fleenor. Now don't forget, you want to hear more from me? You can hear me pretty much every week on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast. On that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC Comics sci-fi series Legion. That is the one with the acronym, hence the name, not Legion of Superheroes. And you can find that on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Link's in the show notes. All right, so if you want to hear your name said here, or you have something to respond to what something John and I said in this episode, please let me know. And this is how you do it. First of all, you can send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. I will read it on the show. I would love to get an email from you. Yes. From you. You can like and share the post on Facebook. Just go into Facebook, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box, and it'll pop up. Like and share, or even comment to me on Twitter, at AdamThanosPod. And of course, there's the Tumblr page, resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. Finally, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances. And you are going to hear a promo for one of the other collective shows right now. Hi, I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. Welcome to Ghost Spider Groupies, a podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. Right now, we are reading through Gwen's main solo series, each week, we break down a new arc and discuss our and the listeners' thoughts. Tune into each episode and come on this journey through the character's history with us. Available wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, I think that's it for this time. That's all the Marvel stuff for today? Yes, it is. We've got through it all. All right. Before you go, John, tell people where to go now. Because they want to hear more from you, because I know they do. They should go over to my Twitter feed, John Reads Comics, on Twitter, or to my website, johnreadscomics.com, and check out one of my podcasts. I have a whole bunch of podcastery out there. Currently, Superman in Crisis is uh, my podcast that's going on, uh, where I am going through every issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths and every Superman comic book that's published alongside them. Uh, here at the end of December of 2022, I have finished... Christ on Infinite Earths, because that came out in December of 1985. And then um, there's still six more months of Superman comics before he uh, gets rebooted. So for the next six months of 2023, I'll be going through the six months of Superman comics that came out in the first half of 1986, wrapping up with whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow in June. So that is happening over at John Reed's Comics. There is no H anywhere in any of that. I also just feel like bragging because I've hit another end of year. I got to, um, I've been reading every Superman comic book ever. And uh, I uh, got to the 30 years ago mark. 
So I read every Superman comic that's older than 30 years. And since we just finished 2022, I have just finished 1992 in my Superman read. I've now read every Superman comic from 1938 to 1992. So 1992. Eh, not much happened to Superman that year, right? Nope. Not a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, where I am right now, he is dead. His body has just been stolen from under his tomb, uh, his statue by Cadmus. And um, Supergirl, on behalf of Lex Luthor, is looking into the mystery of where his body went. And yes, it's. Um, I have not yet gotten to where the Superman comics got canceled for three months, but that'll be happening soon. There's only six more, uh, three more chapters of Funeral for a Friend ahead of me. Woo! Yeah. Oh, good stuff. All right. Well, that's for John's people. Go to the show notes. There'll be links. Click on them. Listen. Please. Right, yes, do so. But that's it for this time. We'll be back in two weeks, more or less. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.